Leaving Islam to follow Jesus Christ is not without cost for the people of North Africa. H was arrested in 2010, and he was arrested with his wife and his newborn baby, six-month-old baby, and they were put in prison. Radical Islam, even violent radical Islam, is a growing force in North Africa, just as it is in other parts of the world. But God is even using terrorist groups for his holy purposes. All of the uh, fanatical groups like Al-Qaeda and Boko Haram, they have been a tool for missions. They've been a great tool. We'll hear how God is using these tools to grow his church in North Africa and learn the price that our Christian brothers and sisters there are paying. We'll also give you an update on the trial of two pastors in Sudan. All of that right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We have the privilege today in our studio of having Brother Jay. Uh, He is a gospel worker in North Africa, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in North Africa, about the persecution there, about what God is doing there. Jay, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. It's uh, my pleasure to be here. Thank you for welcoming us, and uh, we look forward to uh, this time to talk with you. As we think about North Africa, and I know you're familiar with several of the nations there, you know, we look at Libya and we think failed state, chaos, terrorism. Uh, We look at Morocco and we think this is one of the success stories of the Middle East, of the Muslim world, but behind the scenes, there's still persecution and pressure in Morocco. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there right now? Morocco is a unique country. It's considered by the uh, U.S. State Department to be one of the safest Muslim countries in the world. And for that, it is. Uh, It is a very safe place to visit. So we welcome anyone to come in and and to be a part of working with us there. However, uh, it's a state of Islam, and it's under Sharia law. And Moroccans are unique people. They're able to live outside that paradigm. Um, And when I say that, they're able to live as Muslims. And so conversion in the country is against the law, and it's been that way for 14 centuries in Morocco. Uh, For someone to proselyte Moroccans, it's also against the law and forbidden to do so. Now, you have to deal with um, the government in the country that, uh, that sees that the laws are carried out to the T. Uh, so people can risk uh, a jail time. And also, uh, they, in certain areas of the country, the laws played, played out differently in different providences. Uh, we've seen people thrown in jail and beaten. We've seen people thrown in jail and executed there in the prison system wow. while we've been there. Uh, but we've also seen some people have been arrested and simply turned loose. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to how that might be played out. So huh. different providences in the area would play out differently. 
So it depends kind of who's in charge or it depends what part of the country or is both do of, you know why, yeah, why it's different? Both of those things play in the, in, in, in the, in the uh, scenario. Uh, sometimes in different regions of the country it plays out differently, and it also has a, 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 a fact that different people are in charge with different power levels. Uh, it's a monarchy. It's a kingdom. And, um, and most of these um, authoritative figures are appointed by the king. Uh, in some areas, they they actually have free elections, which doesn't make sense. But Islam doesn't make sense to us a lot of times. It's, we can't figure it out. But um, when there are more free elections and these are people that the um, local villages have elected, then it seems like justice can tend to seem to be um, a more kinder uh, uh, way it plays out there. Interesting. Mm. Our guest on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio is Brother Jay, who has worked for many years spreading the gospel in North Africa. Now, one of the things that uh, I know happened a couple years ago in Morocco was there a lot of foreigners suddenly found out their visa had expired. <laughs> yeah. In some cases, literally like, hey, you've got a few hours. You need to be at the airport and get out of here. What is, what's kind of the repercussions of that, or what's happened since then uh, with regard to foreign people, Christians and otherwise? It's a good question. In fact, we, we were found ourselves caught up into that landslide. There were, we lost 135 units, um, missionary units in the country at that time. And it's, it's been sort of the dust settling now. It's taken about five years. That happened in 2010. And so the dust has begun to settle. Some of the workers tried to get back into the country, and they were refused um, their visas to even come back in as tourists. But other workers now have begun to, to come back into the country younger. Um, different organizations have begun to partner there. And so it, it, in the last 18 months or so, we've seen an, an influx of new workers coming in. The government seems to be more settled than it was back then. Uh, another uh, factor is that the problems that had happened in Tunisia and Libya and other North African countries have led our king to take a look at, uh, at what's going on around him. And so uh, the, the harsh treatment that was um, in effect back in 2010, I think the king has begun to reprocess what he's, what he's doing, and especially with the way of his treatment to foreigners. Uh, so Americans, have, have, they don't have a pass, but they seem to have um, more favor with the, with the government today than they did in the past. Is there something you can point to that led up to that time of, of all those expulsions? Was there something that happened or something that changed, or was it just kind of random? Well, we don't think it was random. It, 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 there were several incidents that led up to that. Uh, of course, the, the thing that we praise the Lord about is the church has begun to grow in North Africa and there, and especially in Morocco. And so house churches began to expand. Um, educating uh, pastors and church leaders had, had begun to take place, and more workers had come into the country. And so, you know, it, it became a time when the government didn't know what to do with all this expansion of Christians in the country. Uh, at that time, they didn't recognize that there were Moroccan Christians at all. So to hear that people are coming to faith in Christ and churches are, are starting uh, in homes around, I think it shook up the government. And so uh, rather than uh, um, a peaceful, uh, systematic way of handling that, they just made a rash decision and began to expel and arrest, and, and it was a total chaos. It sounds like they have that 
mindset that's kind of common in the Middle East that Americans are Christians. America is a Christian country, so if you're an American, you must be a Christian. Therefore, you're part of the problem. You got to get out of here. That's correct. That's okay. Right. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we're not all Christians, as most right. people know. <laughs> and so sometimes, um, uh, and in Europe has seemed that way too. Uh, the, the government looks at Europeans and Americans as all Christians. And the sad part about that is sometimes the uh, the Europeans come in for vacation, and so do Americans, and they do what we call have a devil's holiday. They're uh, utilizing drugs and prostitution, and it puts a bad uh, face on the name of Christ and on what we're doing there. So. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. It's a very different mindset from the American mindset of, you know, everybody's different. They make their own decisions. They do whatever. That sort of cultural identity. And you're right. It does do huge damage and and not just visitors, but you think of Hollywood movies of Americans. Well, those guys must all be Christians because they're Americans. And uh, it really is kind of a tragedy. It is. That's the way the Muslim world sees, uh, you know, Hollywood as Christian. Uh Absolutely. What is kind of your specific focus of your ministry in a on a daily basis or a weekly basis, what kinds of things are you doing uh, to support the growth of the church in North Africa? We initially began our work there as church planters. Where we where we moved, there were no existing churches or believers. So our first work was to evangelize, to begin evangelizing process. But we had to earn the right to do so. So we did that through a variety of different platforms, uh, d- different things like education, business, medical, those kind of things to do outreach, to, to earn the trust, and for them to learn to trust us as well. And so we began to evangelize and uh, help start uh, home churches. There are no physical church buildings there, but these are all home churches. And so we began to help uh, assimilate those believers into home churches. And now our job is now is to enable those churches to grow and to continue to do outreach for themselves. And so that's what we've seen happen over the last three or four years is they've taken the initiative. In fact, we're working our way out of a job, Todd, and that's what we want to do. That's the, that's the best thing. Uh, we're not there to, for the, we're there for the long term, but we're not there for a, for a lifetime is, in, unless the Lord cause us to be there. We're there to work ourselves out of a job, and, and Moroccans are, are quickly doing that. So what does that look like now? As far are you training pastors? You're training leaders? Are you, you're not doing the sort of evangelism part of the process at this point? We're an odd two. We continue to do that. God, <laughs> God called us to continue to evangelize, so we continue to evangelize on a, on a, on a daily basis if we get that opportunity to do so. Um, we want to be a part of educating the, the uh, the uh, believing uh, part of the population. And so that's done through a variety of ways, through um, discipleship programs that we put on. Uh, We also have a a training for biblical training for pastors that want to go in-depth for theological training. So we're able to train pastors, and we still continue to do outreach in a different different forms and ways. Uh, medical uh, is, is, has been one of our uh, good tools to use, and uh, the reason is because it's just not available into those rural and remote areas of, of the mountains. So we're able to bring in doctors, nurses, um, uh, medical supplies, pharmaceuticals. It's been a great um, opportunity for others in the, on stateside to serve a, a, alongside us. How, how does the Islamic State affect, first, how does it affect your work, 
But then secondly, how does it affect even the average Muslim in Morocco? Because I know, you know, we talk about Libya, the growth of the Islamic State there, across North Africa, even now creeping up into Europe. What does that do to your ministry? And then what does it do to Morocco as a whole? Well, that's a great question. We get that question a lot of times when we're stateside. And oddly enough, this is going to sound strange to some of your listeners, that, but um, this Islamic State, ISIS, uh, all of the uh, fanatical groups like Al-Qaeda and Boko Haram, they have been a tool for missions. They've been a great tool. And um, even though they're involved in some horrific activity, uh, it's caused um, the average Muslim to take a look at his beliefs and reassess what he believes in. And it's caused a lot of people to turn their faith from Islam to Christianity. And so it's torn down an Islamic wall that we don't have to climb over anymore. So it's been a great tool. Although I say it's a, it continues to, um, to shine and, and show its ugly head. And, and even in our country, I was sharing last night about how we've seen that um, they've infiltrated our country, even though our country is um, proactive on keeping... Uh, uh, this kind of um, uh, extremism out of our country, the country is very proactive against it, it still infiltrates. And so we've had some cases where um, they've come in and they have um, actually purchased children, uh, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, to go in and, and to work in, on the battlefield with them in Iraq and Syria. And uh, these are kids that we've ministered to over the years. Wow. And so our heart is... Uh, is broken for them. We know these are kids that militias, and uh, so it's heartbreaking to see that part. But God is doing a work, and uh, so we're excited to see that uh, regardless of how um, uh, demonic that the things that we see in, in these activities, God is still, uh, it, still at work. I'm reminded of the story of Joseph and what, what you intended for evil, God intended That's for good, exactly and right. even even in that situation. You know, one of the things we hear about the Islamic State, especially when these atrocities come out, is, well, those guys are not really Muslims. How would our friends in Morocco respond to that, uh, that sort of apologetic thing that, oh, no, those, that's not real Islam. Those aren't really Muslims. There's two views on that. You know, most, most Muslims that were, are studied and have studied the Quran will tell you that the part of Islam, that that's predisposal to this type of activity. And it is, and it is uh, talked about in the Quran. It is talked about in the Hadith. And, but uh, most Muslims will tell you, the majority of them will tell you that they don't buy into that kind of activity, that they don't want to be a part of that. But when they read some of the writings of the Prophet Muhammad, in the end of his life, he did buy into this kind of activity. So uh, it's, a, it's a sad fact that uh, when someone has studied his life in the Quran uh, and, and um, made this a part of his life, it's this, this is what he has to accept, expect to happen. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. This is Todd Nettleton. We're talking this week with Jay, who is a longtime gospel worker in North Africa, now, you've talked about the fact that, that some foreigners have been kicked out, and yet you're still there. Hmm. Uh, what are some of the ways that God has kept that door open for you? You know, that's still uh, what we call amazing grace. There's no doubt about it. And, and my wife and I pinch ourselves every day that we're still in the country. Um, 
we just see it as God's hand and favor on our work. He's allowed us to stay there. But uh, the other part of that equation is we've added value to the country as well. And uh, so uh, we've talked to some of the um, officials there that want us to stay, which has been good. And uh, so we, we, we have the favor of the government. We have the favor of the people. But more than that, we have the favor of the Lord. And he's, he continues to use us, and we don't know why. Uh, he's, he's, he's chosen us uh, uh, for such a time as this, and we feel very blessed that we still remain there. Now, you said you pinch yourself every day. Do, do you also think, what if today's the day we get kicked out? I mean, do you kind of think through that process on, on a daily or even, you know, weekly or monthly basis? You do. It's, it's um, you know, it's like walking on eggshells daily. You know, you meet people and you don't know who you can trust. Uh, you have to pray about things that you do and activities that you're involved with. And so my wife and I pray about that daily. We have to be ready at any moment to leave or to be arrested or be kicked out. So we live in that, um, that fishbowl, if you will. But uh, we've accepted that lifestyle, and we enjoy it. And uh, like I say, once again, uh, God has given us favor, and uh, we could lose that favor at any moment uh, with the government. But uh, for, so far, so good. 16 years there, and, and we, we give the Lord praise every day for that. So are there times when you're afraid? I mean, when you feel that fear of what's going to happen or fear of, hey, this person could attack me? And if so, how do you... How do you kind of overcome that? How do you work through that? You know, fear is a, an odd word to describe it. Um, I, I don't want to say, and I'm, you know, I don't want to say something stupid. I don't want to try to have an activity that would cause uh, um, an expulsion or cause someone to, to uh, come against us. So we try to walk every day and allowing the Lord to work through us. But there are times that I'm concerned. Now, let's put it that way. We were, <laughs> we were, we were just in another country, in Tunisia, uh, about five miles down the road from, from where um, some of your listeners may know that there was a shooting on the beach. And we were about five kilometers, I say, from that. And I became concerned uh, that, first of all, it's one thing that I'd have myself there and my wife there, but if I had other people there, and I had other people there with me. So I'm concerned for others that are with me. Um, Day-to-day activity, uh, I feel very protected that the Lord has, has put his angels around us and protecting us. I'm always concerned about the, 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 um, the believers and the seekers that we're working with. They're attached to us. They're uh, you're attached to our hip. So if, they're, if I do something wrong uh, and, and stumble, it can cause a problem for them. So I am concerned about those kind of activities and not to say or do things that would cause others harm. You're in Tunisia. There's a shooting on the beach just a few miles from you. What did you guys do? I mean, did you just kind of hunker down and sit tight or head for the airport and try to get out of the country? Or Well, first of all, that, that, was, that was the concern of most of the foreigners that were in the country. So the airports were, were full and they were trying to leave. <laughs> and we were having an activity there anyway. So we just uh, stayed, in our, stayed in the place where we were. And we waited it out. We made phone calls and emails, and we let people in the states know we're okay. We uh, contacted our uh, fellow workers there to find out if they were okay or not. News like that thing travels probably faster in the states than it does in the country, but we were very aware of what was going on. And so once we found out that uh, things were seemed to be under control, then we just continued with our activity there.
You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. You can listen to every episode of VOM Radio at www.vomradio.net. Who are some of the heroes that you've met in your work there? People that you look at their faith and you think, wow, I want to be like that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so many. I can think of a few, and I'll give you a couple of good examples. These guys are they're champions. Um, one of the guys named, and I'll just call him A, uh, I met him early on and, uh, he became a believer and he became a zealous believer and, uh, he was arrested for his faith. And, uh, he went through a time of torture and beatings, uh, and, uh, stripped down naked and left in a prison cell for more than three months alone. Uh, miraculously he was, he was, uh, uh, uh let, let go. And uh, we've we've had um, uh, Amnesty International uh, work with him. We've had different attorneys work with him. But you know his faith is so strong. He's never recounted. He's uh, his parents have rejected him. He continues to evangelize his friends and and uh, people in remote areas that I'll never be able to go to. He could, he has the uh, physical ability to go to places I can't go to, and so he continues to be a champion for Christ. There's no question about it. Um, one more I want to tell you about, uh, we'll just call him H and, um, H was arrested in 2010 and he was arrested with his wife and his newborn baby, six month old baby. And they were put in prison. And, uh, it's one thing to be put in prison, but to be put in prison with your wife and your child, just been incredible. Uh, and miraculously within a few days he was turned loose. But this is another one that has, that, uh, carries his faith on his chest. He has, he has no fear. And the government, you know, although it's against the law for him to do so, he continues to uh, press on. He's been, uh, uh, he had a rental house and he's been kicked out of his house and people refuse to rent homes to him. He keeps a smile on his face. He's an encouragement to us. When we see him, I know that I have no problems because this guy just keeps going on. <laughs> he's incredible. <laughs> All your problems are put in perspective. That's right. I know one part of your work is reaching out to the Berbers. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and why that group is is significant and special to you. They're, they're so special to us. In fact, the, the first uh, Moroccan that I knew was a Berber, and I met him in the Middle East, and he invited me to the, to the country and uh, didn't know anything about them. But they are the original indigenous people of North Africa, uh, and they'll tell you in a minute they're not Arab. Um, although the state department says they are, they'll tell you that their bloodline is not Arab. Their language is a special language. It's called Tashlehate. Uh, uh, it's a, it's an ancient language. It's a non-written language. Their culture is totally different from the Arab culture. Uh, their land is even different. They're mountainous people and they, they're nomadic. And so they're totally different from the, from the Arab culture that they've been identified as. And they want the freedom to, to, to express that. Now, here's what's exciting. I get excited when you ask me about questions about Berbers because for 14 centuries, they've been the second-class citizen in our, in our countries and all across North Africa. Well, a couple of years ago, past two, two Novembers past, um, the Constitution was changed, and now our country recognizes the Berbers, and they like to be called uh, what they really are. They're called the Amazek people. And a lot of people can't pronounce that without coughing up a little bit. But the, the Amazek people are the original indigenous people. And it's now in the constitution in Morocco that they are recognized as a people. 
They're recognized as people, and their language can be recognized, and now it's even taught in school. So it's a forgotten language for a lot of people, but about 25% of the population continues to speak that language fluently. We're very passionate about our people. If you look across North Africa, there's more than 100 million in those, in those surrounding countries, and most of that population in their DNA. Now, they won't admit this, but their DNA, their bloodline is Berber, and uh, so we're very uh, passionate about reaching them for Christ. And, and God is doing some significant things among them. Oh, it's incredible. They are having, uh, and, and, and I know a lot of your listeners have heard about dreams and visions, but God is uh, working overtime spiritually in the, in the Berber population particularly, um, and they're, they're coming to faith in numbers that are, it's, it's incredible to see some Just, of those things. God is good, and he is at work. Thank you, Brother Jay, for sharing about your ministry in North Africa and about the people you serve with there. We're going to continue our conversation with Brother Jay next week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. I hope you'll come back and join us as we talk about specific ways that you can reach out to Muslims you know in your workplace, your school, your neighborhood. We'll also talk about some items to put on your prayer list for North Africa. Come back and join us next week to continue our conversation with Brother Jay. Last week, I told you about two pastors on trial in Sudan, and I want to give you an update on their case, which took some very interesting turns last week. Last Wednesday, the judge in their case found pastors Michael Yatt and Peter Reith guilty of two new offenses, which they hadn't previously been charged with. They had this whole trial without these charges, and then the judge found them guilty of those, but not guilty of the very serious charges that they were actually charged with and which could have carried the death penalty. The judge sentenced them to the time they had already served in prison and released both of the pastors. This is a huge praise to the Lord, a credit to the prayers of God's people around the world and to international pressure on the Sudanese government. But, and there is a but on this story, the pastors aren't completely out of the woods. When they went to the airport on Thursday to leave Sudan, they were told that they were still under a travel ban and could not board a plane to go home to South Sudan. It's unclear if this travel ban is from the judge in their case or if it's from the Sudanese intelligence service, which would potentially be a lot bigger problem in terms of getting it lifted. Their lawyer was told to report to the court on Sunday after the Sudanese weekend to appeal for that ban to be lifted. So I hope you'll watch VOM's Facebook page and our website, persecution.com, for further updates on what happens at that hearing and as their lawyer tries to get that ban lifted. So the good news is they were released from prison. Uh, they were sentenced to the time they'd already served. The bad news is they weren't allowed to leave Sudan and return home to South Sudan. We thank the Lord for the release of these brothers and for them being reunited with their wives and their children. But I hope you'll keep praying for them to recover from their months of being in prison and to be allowed to travel back home to South Sudan. It's been great to have you with us this week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We'd love to connect with you on social media. If you're tweeting about this episode, use the hashtag VOMRadio, and be sure to follow The Voice of the Martyrs USA on Facebook. 
You can listen to our conversation with Brother Jay again online at vomradio.net, as well as send us a comment or a question which we might use on the air. You can also listen to all previous episodes of VOM Radio and access our show as a podcast. So visit us online at vomradio.net. Pray for our brothers and sisters in North Africa. As Jay shared with us, there are challenges, but God is doing great things. Thanks for being with us this week. We'll see you next week on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.